Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, glad to have you guys here. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're happy to have you guys with us today. Uh, I, I'm excited to be back today. It's been a while since I've been here. It's been, I think it's actually been three weeks. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped to be back today and sharing with you guys. Can we give it up for Steve and Shayla who spoke the last couple of weeks? Can we give it I heard that they did a great job. And so really, really thankful to have people that can, can step up here and just do a phenomenal job for us. But one of the things that I've learned is that getting away sometimes helps you reorient and refocus in life and getting away for a couple of weeks, even though we, I was working on things and working in the church and doing all that stuff, but just getting away and, and just getting some time allows you to, to get yourself on the right path. And I think it's so important for us to reorient and refocus, especially with coming into the holiday season that we're about to encounter. Anybody ready for like Christmas, Thanksgiving? Like everybody's ready. Like you're like, you're like I'm, I want gifts, okay? I'm not saying ready like that, but you're ready, like you're prepared for all of that. I, I know for sure I'm not. And so how do I make sure that I'm ready for that moment? And, and I just thought that this would be a great time for us as a church and for us as individuals to reorient and focus. Um, yesterday I was I went to CrossFit in the morning, did a couple of wads, and my wife talked about before I left that she was thinking about cleaning up the house. And so anytime my wife ever thinks about cleaning up the house, which is not like her normal kind of speak, and, and I want to encourage that. And, I, and so I noticed that we didn't have any paper towels before I left. And so I thought to myself, I'll stop at the store and get some paper towels. And so after CrossFit, I, I rolled over to Publix, and, and I walked in, and I got in the paper towel aisle, and, and I just kind of got a little overwhelmed in the paper towel aisle. It was like kind of deer in headlights moment because there's a lot of options when it comes to paper towels. Anybody ever notice that? I mean, there's one ply, two ply, quarter sheets, half sheets, full sheets, downy, quicker picker uppers, off brand that isn't anywhere near as good. And like, what do you do in that moment? Like, which one do you choose? And so I had to ask myself uh, two choices, two questions. What would Shayla choose? Like, that's a good question to ask yourself if you're married. Like, what would my spouse choose? The second one is, what's the cheapest? You know, that's the question I ask. And so, of course, we ended up with Downy Quicker Picker Up. It's the most expensive and because uh, I want to encourage her to clean. So, uh, shouldn't have said that. Uh, but there, <laughs> there are a lot of choices coming at us today. Uh, anybody in here like salsa? Any salsa fans? Anybody like like really hot, spicy salsa? Like eat it, makes you start sweat coming out of your pores right away. Yeah, there's a couple of us. I, I like eating salsa and like I gotta, like you almost wanna strip naked because you're so hot after eating it. I mean, it's just crazy. But do you know that there's 83 different options of salsa at Publix? That's a lot of options. How about this? There's 193 different salad dressing options at Publix. That means that you got to bypass 192 salad dressing options to find the one that's going to just, just be it for you. There are so many things happening around us, and there's so much coming at us that in the midst of all of these options, we have a couple of choices. We can, we can just kind of become paralyzed in the moment. We can be the deer in the headlights in the paper towel aisle like I was, like I don't even know what to do. Or we can just end up kind of going with the flow of what's happening in life and just be pushed about based on what's happening around us. Rather than living intentionally in life, we just let life live for us. 
And that's why it's so important, I think it's so crucial for us to focus at this time of the year and get back to what's most important in life. Because if you think about that, and you think about it, especially in this season, at this time of year, right before we get to the new year, we make up a whole bunch of resolutions that we're not going to keep. Like, what if we were, were to reorient ourselves and say, you know what, I'm going to focus on what's most important in life, and especially what God says is most important in life, and I'm going to start doing that, and I think that we would be amazed when we get to the end of our life that we would have very little regret, that we would have a lot of wins and a lot of things to celebrate because we decided to focus on what was most important rather than just allowing the craziness and the busyness of this season to choose and decide what our life is going to look like. And so today as a church and as individuals, we're going to take a look at what I believe the Bible says is the thing that we should focus on and what should be most important in our lives. And so if you want to turn to Mark chapter 12, we're going to be hanging out in Mark chapter 12 today. If you don't have a Bible, you can look in your worship guide, all the notes and all the uh, Bible verses will be in there. If you don't have a worship guide, you can just pay attention to the screen. We'll throw everything up there for you to follow along. But what's happening in Mark chapter 12 is, is Jesus has just made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It's right before he's about to be crucified. And what's happening is, is the religious sect that is around Jerusalem is, is, is just kind of fed up with Jesus. And, and they're looking for a way to trap him. They're looking for a way to trick him into saying something that he shouldn't say so they can, they can finally get him on something. And so Jesus is in this religious kind of debate that's happening, and he's, he's just killing it. I mean, he is like giving all the answers at all the right times. And so finally, Mark chapter 12, this particular debate, a religious leader, he hears what Jesus is saying, and he decides to jump in. And he poses a really, really interesting question to Jesus. And so starting in verse 28, this is what it says in Mark 12. One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, and so he asked, Of all the commandments, which is most important? He goes, he goes listen, there's a lot of commandments that are out there. Which one is the most important? In essence, what this guy is asking is he is posing a question about focus. He's saying, guys, what should I focus on? Jesus, if you had to define what I should put my focus on in life, what would that be? Of all the commandments, all the ones that are listed in God's word, which one is the one that I need to put my attention to? In essence, he's saying, what should be the main thing? Like, what should be the thing that's most important in my life? In essence, and it's a question that I think all of us should ask ourselves, What's most important in my life? Like, consider what's most important in our life. We need to consider that for ourselves. And here's why we need to start considering that, because our decisions are shaped by our focus. The direction of our life is shaped by our focus. I'll explain to you like this. How many of you guys have ever gone to the store to go for like a ketchup run or some sort of condiment run? Like you got to hook it up. Like there's some of us that have gone and done that. Uh, if, if you've ever had to go for like a ketchup run, based on your focus, you will get a particular kind of ketchup. Like if you're a vegan, if you're all about like eating all natural, all healthy, it's all perfect, then when you go to the ketchup aisle, you're going to look for something like Hunt's 100% all natural, no high fructose corn syrup. 
ketchup. And that's what you're going to go for. You're going to go for the perfect thing for your life. Maybe for some of you, you're, you're, you do like health. And so you're looking at it and you're going to go, I'm going to go for the Heinz, no salt, no flavor ketchup. That's what you're looking for in life. Based on your focus, if you're, if you're about like cholesterol being down and sodium being down, you're, that's what you're going to be looking for. Maybe for others of you, you want to be a little zingy in life or a little zany in life and you want to mix it up a little bit. And so you're going to go for the Heinz balsamic vinegar tomato ketchup. You know, you throw this with some gray poupon and man, it is on. Like this is, like you're living large if you have this in your house because I don't know why you would actually have this in your house. Uh, Maybe, maybe there's some of you guys that are on a budget. Anybody, anybody ever heard of a budget? Budget. Yeah, a couple of us. I, I don't really like budgets. I like spending plans. It just sounds better, doesn't it? It sounds like you're so empowered and like you get to do something with the money rather than what you can't. Well, if you're on a spending plan, when you go to buy ketchup, you look for no name, no brand, cheap ketchup, right? Like that's what you're looking for because you're on your spending plan. Or if you're like me, I'm looking to please everybody. And so I'm looking for the classic Heinz 57 tomato ketchup, always winner. Nobody ever gets in trouble when they come home with some Heinz 57. You know what I'm saying? And, and so that's what you go for. And based on your focus, when you walk into that store is what you're going to come out with. And for so many of us, our focus in life is shaping our behavior. Our focus is shaping the thoughts in our life. It's shaping the direction of our life. And so many of us over the next couple of months would we'll just let life kind of honestly shape us. Would we'll just go with the flow and life will take over and all of a sudden it flies by. Because we have no focus. And when you don't have focus, what, what's shaping your life? Is, is culture shaping your life? Are, are the friends that you're surrounding yourself with, are, are, is that what's shaping your life? Is the busyness of the day, is that the thing that's shaping your life? That's why Jesus is is, is answering this question because the question that this religious leader poses is such a critical question to our lives and our spiritual formation and how we're going to grow and how we're going to develop and what's going to happen in our life. He's saying, hey, what is the thing that you're focused on? What is the most important commandment that God has that I can put my focus on, that I can set my sights on in the midst of all the chaos and all the busyness of the day? And with so much busyness of the day, there's really two, two areas that people live in. People either live in focusing on what's most important in their life. There's some things that are really, really important to you, and so you live your life based on those focuses. Or you live your life based on what's most urgent. Maybe some of you guys have experienced this in life because there's, all of us would say we, we, there's some things that are very, very important in our life, but for a lot of us, what overtakes our life isn't the important, it's the urgent. Especially when we have the holidays rolling around. 
I mean, think about it. We got Thanksgiving coming up two Thursdays from now. Can you believe that? We got to cook. We got to clean. We got to get ready for crazy Uncle Eddie. We don't know who he is in our family, like, but he's nuts. Like, we know he's going to show up. Then we got to go holiday shopping that night because stores are opening. We got to get deals. And then we got to get ready for family coming in, in town or we got to get out of town because we don't want to see our family. And then that's some of y'all. That's me right there. Because my entire family is crazy Uncle Eddie. Uh, but we got all this stuff coming at us. And in those moments, so often what happens is the urgent thing. Like, oh, man, I forgot that gift. I gotta, that takes the precedence over the fact that the gift is really the person that you're going to spend time with. Because the urgent's overtaken the important in our life. And in my own life, I know that this is so true because I'm, I'm such a a task-oriented person. I love tasks. I love to get, like, give me a list of things to get done. Like, give me A, B, C, and D. Man, I just want to check stuff off all day long down that list. And so many times, I'll be doing all the tasks, and I'm forgetting why behind the task. You know, I have a job in life, and, and working that job, I can get so busy and consumed in my job, I forget why I do my job. Like, the why behind that is so critical the why behind what i'm doing it in the first place is what matters most in fact i was i was doing some tasks why over the last couple of weeks and i was in my car and i was cleaning it out and and for some reason every time shayla goes back to bradenton where she's originally from her mom always gives her tons of pictures um i don't know she's destroying scrapbooks and just handing it to all the sisters or whatever but so we were, we were back, she was back home and her mom gave her all these pictures and she happened to drive my car. And so she just left all these pictures in my car. And so I'm cleaning up the car and I come to this pile of pictures. And so I get a little unfocused. And so I start looking at the pictures and I'm checking them out. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's cute. Shayla had a lot of freckles as a kid, you know, or whatever. Or there she is barefooting. And, and I come to a picture, our families, we've known each other since we were like 10 years old. And so our families used to do vacations together with, with some other families. And so I came across this one picture of, of us up in Snowshoe, West Virginia. Uh, that's actually me right there with hair. That's so if you, I, like, I did have hair one day. It was, it was feasible. That's my stepdad right there. He's one of my best friends in life. And then back over there in the corner is all of like Shayla and this guy's wife and their kids. And so they're all back there. Shayla's back is, is to the picture. She's wearing her snow bib. And, and so like I'm looking at this picture and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're getting so freaking old. Like, that's what I thought in my mind. And then, and then I came across this next picture. Uh, this was our wedding picture. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, look at how skinny I was. And, uh, and then I started thinking, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, my wife is getting hotter and hotter every year that we're together. It's like, I don't even understand how that works. Like, I, I don't know how we age. And I look old and she looks hotter. Like, I don't get how that works. That's, that's crazy, isn't it? And by the way, guys, you see what I just did right there? You should write that down right now. That's, that's how you win. You, you, yeah. Anyways, uh, but I'm sitting there in my car and I'm, I'm looking at these pictures. I, there's another picture um, of, of us like two or three years into our marriage. This was our Christmas card. And, and I'm, I'm like, I, that was the... Uh, two years into marriage, gain 80 pounds picture. And, uh, and so I, I'm looking at all these things, and I, I, I'm just reliving all these memories. And, 
And I'm like having this moment in my car. Uh, it made me reorient and refocus on what is most important. Don't miss out on the why of what's most important for the urgent that really isn't going to matter in the grand scheme of things. And I decided in that moment that, you know, over the next couple of weeks, like, I'm going to make some, some moments with my wife. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to create some experiences with her. And uh, a couple times ago when she, she spoke, she kind of threw me under the bus, and, and she told a story of the fact that I won't ever go paddle boarding with her. And so, like, I think paddleboarding is straight from the devil. Um, like, I've, I, like, I've confirmed that now. And so I thought to myself, you know what? This is something Shayla really wants to do. Like, I probably need to make that a priority in my life because I want to I create these moments with her. And I want to have these experiences. And so I decided, like, I better get something out of this. So I'll make a trade. I'll, I'll go paddleboarding with her if she'll go to CrossFit with me. I, th I thought that that was, like, a good trade. And so we got up, and we went to CrossFit, and I kicked her butt in CrossFit, which is really all I wanted. I just to feel masculine and so and manly and so like I did that and she's like okay now we're gonna go to paddle boarding and so we drove out to Island Water Sports in Deerfield we picked up these paddle boards and I'm like these are pretty wide how hard can this be like we go to the intercoastal and she's explaining she's done this a whole bunch of times and she's explaining like you gotta hold your oar like this you gotta get it to this height and all this technical stuff I'm like it's a board it's water how hard can it be we get out there we start paddling like, she's, like, gliding through the water like a swan. It's, like, uh, this, like, so easy for her. She's, like, not putting in any effort. I'm paddling with all of my might, and she's, like, gaining yardage on me every single stroke that I take. It's, like, it's the worst thing ever. On top of that, nobody tells you that your feet are going to be on fire because you're gripping on this board just trying to hang on for dear life, and that people are going to go by in boats, and it's going to be wavy, and they're going to try and knock you off. Like, nobody tells you that on the front end of it. And so we're, we... We have like two hours of this, and I'm thinking, this is two hours straight of hell right here. Like my feet are on fire. I can't catch my wife. We're, we're going through these intercoats. We're looking at all these multi-million dollar homes, and we're like, what do these people do? Like, how do we do that? And so uh, finally, we come back out, and we get to like the intercoastal where boats come across. And I'm, and I'm, I'm like, we, we get to this spot, and I look both ways, and there's no boats to be seen. And I'm like, this is our chance. Like, we got to make a break right here because I cannot do, like, boats with real waves. And so we, get, we start going back towards this dock at, at, down on Southwest 10th, and we're making our way, and there's a no-wake zone. And I'm like, if I can just get to that no-wake zone. That is the goal right now. Like, I, I will survive. I'm a survivor. You know, I'm like a Destiny's Child all the way. And, uh, and so we're paddling. Shayla's, Shayla's like 30 yards ahead of me. I don't know how she did it. And, and she looks back to see how I'm doing because I'm struggling. Like, sweat's pouring down. I, I mean, I'm, I'm hurting at this point. And she looks back and she goes, hey, a boat's coming. And she just turns back around and continues to paddle. <laughs> And so I turn around, and I see a boat, and I start like, man, as hard as I can, I'm going. And this boat, like, he sees me, and he kind of throttles up a little bit more. Like, I'm like, what? And, like, weight is getting bigger as he's coming along, and he, he's coming up, and, and he gets to me. And so these wakes are huge, and he keeps going forward, and he sees Shayla, and he takes the throttle all the way off. I was like, you jerk. Yeah, like, I hate you. And so I'm trying to figure out, like, what do I do? Like, in a jet ski, you turn into waves, you know, to try to jump through them. And I'm like, I'm on a paddleboard, so I thought, like, I'll try to jump them. And so I turn into it. I hit the first wave. I go flowing, flying off. 
I'm angry. I might have even cussed at the guy. I'm, I'm, I'm repenting right now. I was, I was ticked. I hate salt water. And so I'm like, I come out of the water. Shayla's looking back and laughing at me, and she continues to paddle ahead. I thought she heard me cuss at the guy, and that's why she turned and laughed, but she was just laughing at me. And uh, I finally get back, and I said, babe, I love you, but I'm never doing that again. Like, like enjoy this moment, because that's all it's ever going to be from here on out. There's a lot of other things that we could have done that day that were probably way more urgent than crossfitting and paddleboarding and and going to BurgerFi afterwards and loading up on some calories. That's right, BurgerFi. If you haven't been, check it out. You'll add 10 pounds. Um, but we focus on what was most important. Now here in Mark 12, Jesus isn't going to leave us hanging. He goes, hey, I'm going I'm to define for you what should be most important in your life. And this is what he says. In verse 29, it says, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord your God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. Now, right here, what Jesus does is he quotes a passage of scripture out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is called the Shema. And this would have been probably the most familiar, well-known passage of scripture to any Jewish person, because this was the scripture that as a child, they would have been taught, they would have memorized the scripture. In fact, they would have, they would have prayed the scripture at minimal two times a day. Like, that's how common it was. For most Jewish leaders, they would have had some, some ornaments on their body that were telling them to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so, he is standing there, and Jesus basically gives this Jewish leader the most repeated phrase in all of Judaism. He goes, hey, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And like, what's the religious leader in that moment going to do or say to Jesus, like, oh, Jesus, that's awesome. Good, good word. But what Jesus does right after he quotes this to them is going to blow this guy's mind. In verse 31 it says, the second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself, which is a quote from Leviticus 19.18. He says, no other commandment is greater than these. Now this is pretty radical because what Jesus does is he takes the Shema, which is the, the, the most widely regarded piece of scripture in all of Judaism, and he says, hey, listen, I know that that's important, the Shema is important, but here's an addendum to it. Here, let me add a little bit, some, a little bit of something, something to it. I'm gonna, and he takes this bold leap, and he says, listen, love the God, Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and here's what else you need to do. You need to love your neighbor as yourself. Like, you need to love God and love others. Everything in life hinges on these two things. says these are the main things for you to understand. 
And this is what I know about us. There's a lot of uncertainty in life right now. There's a lot of confusion in life. There's a lot of unknowns in all of our lives. For some of us, maybe it's a financial unknown. You don't know how you're going to make it through this month because there's more month than there is money. It's, it's only the the the. 15th or whatever it is and you're like man I don't know how I'm gonna make it this month and there's a lot of apprehension there there's a lot of tension that's there there's a lot of confusion right there and 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 you just uncertain for others of us it's our health we're dealing with some health issues and and we don't know if we're ever gonna get healthy again and we've been dealing with this for so long and there's just uncertainty in our life for others of us, it's a relational conflict right now. There's just, there's tension in that relationship. No matter what we do, it seems like it just continues to escalate and escalate and escalate. And you're like, man, is this ever going to be solved? And there's uncertainty in those moments. And Jesus is saying in the midst of all of the uncertainty, in the midst of all the unknown, there's one thing that you can hang your hat on in this life. And that is the fact that, man, if you make loving God and loving others the main thing, everything else in your life will make sense. That's what he's saying right here. He's saying, listen, you don't have to have everything mapped out. You don't have to have every contingency in place. All you got to do is you got to love God and love other people. Make that the focus of your life. So how do we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Like, what does that look like for our lives? I, th I think if we're going to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, probably one of the best ways we can start with is, is, is obeying what God's already asked us to do. You know, one of the ways that we show God love is by doing what he's already asked us to do in our life. Another way that we show God love is by accepting what Christ did on the cross, his forgiveness, his grace, and his mercy, and then giving that grace and that mercy and that forgiveness to other people. We're showing God that we love him. I think when we open up God's word and we read it and not just read it but apply it to our life, we're saying, God, man, I trust you in everything. And I, 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 you know how much I trust you? I love you enough to do whatever you say even when it doesn't make sense to me. I think we're showing God love by doing that. I think when we give sacrificially to his church and to people in need, we're showing God, man, I love you because I trust you with these areas of my life. When we when we say, you know what, I'm not going to give in to the temptation or I'm not going to give in to the sin, but I'm going to obey where you want me to go. We're, we're saying to God, man, I love you in this area. And if we'll simply focus on loving God and loving others, it will make things in life become so much clearer and things will fall into place even in the confusing and frustrating things. There's a guy named Scott McKnight who wrote a book on this particular passage called The Jesus Creed. And this is what he says about this particular passage of Scripture. He says, the first principle of spiritual formation is this. A spiritually formed person loves God and others. He says, as a normal Jew, spiritual formation for Jesus begins with the Shema of Judaism. But Jesus revises the Shema in two ways. Loving others is added to loving God. And loving God is understood as following Jesus. This is the Jesus Creed. It is the foundation of everything Jesus teaches about spiritual formation. Jesus, too, knows what life is all about, and that life is about love for God and for others. As Rick Warren states, life minus love equals zero, and the best use of life is love. The best expression of love is time, and the best time to love is right now. The essence of our spiritual formation, our relationship with God is all based on this idea of loving God and loving other people. And this creed right here, this, 
this passage of scripture should be something that should be something that we pray every day. God, help me to love you with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, all of my strength, and help me to love others. Like it's something we should teach our kids and we should memorize and we should make it a foundational element of our life. Not that we're going to achieve it. I think it's going to take a lifetime to achieve, but it should be central to all that we do. And so right here, Jesus gives this religious leader, this simple, simple answer. But what you have to understand is that this religious leader is dealing with so much more than just the simplicity of how we look at things because what this religious leader knew is that there's the Ten Commandments. Everybody's heard of the, everybody's heard of the Ten Commandments, right? You've seen the Charlton Heston movie or the, the, maybe there's a Disney version. I don't even know. Uh, there probably is at this point because Disney makes everything out of the Bible. And so... Uh, and so they're the Ten Commandments, and, and what happens is, is because they don't want people to break these major Ten Commandments, the Jewish people, they started adding commandments to this. In fact, they added up over 613 additional commandments to the original Ten. And so they had these major Ten Commandments, and they said, you know what, because we don't ever want somebody to break one of these Ten, we're going to add this commandment. And so people won't break that commandment. We're going to add this commandment. And so people won't break that commandment. We'll, break, we'll add this commandment so that they're going to be like five, like I screwed up really bad commandments away from like the major, major mess up. And so this guy is, is, is when Jesus says, hey, these are the two, what this guy is in essence doing is he's walking down the grocery aisle of commandments and he's overwhelmed and he's saying, hey, which one do I pick? And Jesus just says, hey, everything is hinged on loving God and loving people. These are what matter most. The rest of those commandments, if you do these two, the rest of those will all work out for you. And so the religious guy comes back in verse 32 and he says, the teacher of the religious law replied, well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all of my heart, with all of my understanding and all of my strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important to offer than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. In essence, what he's doing is he's acknowledging that this is good and, and kind of the light's coming on in his brain like, oh man, I, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. And what Jesus is going to encourage him to do in this moment is he's going to encourage him to live in focus. He's like, hey, listen, don't just get focused, but I want you to live in that focus from here on out. I want you to live in this place. Verse 34, and it says, realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. He goes, listen, you're not in it yet, but you're really, really close. Like, you're, you're really close, but you haven't experienced what I'm talking about right here. And if, if you're inching there, but you're not in it yet. It's like going to the beach. Any beach people out here? Any beach? Yeah, a lot of beach people. I think that there's a couple different variations of beach people, particularly two different kinds. There's the person that goes to the beach, and all they want to do is they want to sit on the beach. They don't go in the water. Any people like that out there? Yeah, that, these are my people right here. Like, I go to the beach, I don't want to get in the water. Like, who wants to get in that nasty, salty water that we don't know what they've dumped into? Like, that is just gross. It's nasty. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, there, that's that 
form of beach person. That's what I am. And then there's Shayla. Shayla is the person that goes and jumps in the water. Like, they're not at the beach until they get in the water. How many people are like that? How many, like, water people? Yeah, yeah. Like, your experience is, like, like it's not a real beach experience until I swallow some salt water and I cut my foot on a broken beer bottle in the water. Like, you want the full experience. You, like, want to be fully engulfed. And, like, if, if I'm not going to the emergency room to get, like, uh, some shots for an infection, like, I haven't been to the beach here yet. Sorry, I, I just dog everybody that isn't me. So, like, you answer differently than me. You just got to subject yourself to that. Uh, and what Jesus is, in essence, saying to this religious leader is that all the people that are like me, like this religious leader, he's saying, listen, it's awesome that you're at the beach, but until you dive in and experience all of the beach, like you don't have any clue about the beach. Like you may see the water, you might see people having fun, you might hear that there's some salt in that water, but until you get in it, until you cut your foot on that beer bottle, until you swallow some salt water, you don't know. Like you haven't experienced it. He's saying, listen, your faith can't be secondhand. It can't be based on knowledge. It can't be based on information. It has to be based on you experiencing the fullness of it. And so this can't be your mom's faith. This can't be your brother's faith. This can't be your aunt and uncle's faith that are ministers somewhere. And so that qualifies you as a, you're going to heaven. Like, no, he's saying you got to experience it for yourself. This has got to be your faith. And in that, you've got to love God and love other people. That's part of your journey in that, that space. I'm originally from the, the Chicago land area, even though I sound like I'm from South Carolina. Um, and uh, the south side of Chicago is, is pretty rough. I'm a huge White Sox fan, so uh, the south side, is, is that's, that's, that's my, those are my people. And... There's a story of when I was really young of this woman. There happens to be a lot of projects down on the south side of Chicago. And this woman was, was coming home from work late one night. She just had a young baby girl. And um, she came home. She put her daughter to bed in the crib. And she went into her kitchen to, to get some food and realized, man, it was, it was just empty. And knowing that her daughter was asleep, she's like, man, I can just slip out real quick and Go, go grab some food at the, the store, and I'll be right back. So she leaves, and she goes to the, to the little grocery store down, the, down on the corner and gets some groceries, and as she's walking back, she sees all kinds of commotion down her street where, where she lived, and as she gets closer, she realizes that her building is where all the commotion is, and there's fire trucks that are pulled up, and people are roped off, and there's smoke that's billowing out of this building, and Light goes on, she goes, my daughter is in the building still. And she runs up, and the firemen have got this building completely blocked off, and the fire is starting to rage, and she's like, she's freaking out. She's like, my daughter is upstairs. Like, my daughter is upstairs sleeping. Like, I've got to go get my daughter. And the, the firemen and the police officers are like, ma'am, you can't go in there. It is too dangerous. This building is going to go at any moment of time. She's like, but my daughter is up there. I don't care. I'll give my life. I got to go get my daughter. My daughter is upstairs sleeping, and she's freaking out, and, and she's, she's becoming just completely crazy in the moment, like any mother would in that moment, because she's all that she cares about is saving 
saving her daughter. And finally, this fireman walks up and says, listen, I'll go get her daughter. Tell me where your daughter is. And she goes, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to go up five flights of stairs. And, and as you get in the hallway, you're going to go down three doors. It's going to be the third door on your left. You're going to go inside the apartment. And it's going to be the first door on your left. There's going to be a crib in there. My daughter's in there. And so this fireman, uh, against everybody's uh, decision, they're like, you shouldn't go do that. He's like, I'm going to go get this, this, this baby. I'm going to go get this baby girl. And, and he goes and he goes up the stairs. And as he gets to the fifth floor, the entire floor is covered with smoke. He has no visibility whatsoever. And so he gets on all fours and he crawls down the hall. He finally feels the, the third door and he opens that door. He goes inside. It, there, you know, smoke is everywhere. He still can't see anything. He finds the, the baby's room, goes in feels his way to the crib, reaches down, grabs the baby, grabs a whole bunch of covers, covers up the baby, and takes off. He gets back down the hall, runs down the stairs. As he's coming out the front of the building, as he steps off the ledge, the front of the building collapses behind him. It's like the epic movie scene. And people go berserk. Like this guy is the hero. He just saved this baby girl. And, and, and people are going crazy and he comes out and the mother runs up and, and grabs the baby from him. She's crying and snotting and, you know, just all the stuff that goes with the, the emotion that's right there in that moment. And, and people are congratulating the firefighter. They're hailing him as a hero. And the mom starts to unwrap the baby and when she looks down, she shrieks. Because the firefighter grabbed a baby doll. It's the right size. It's in the right place. Had the right features. just a bunch of plastic. So close to the real. Right next to it. Some of us we've picked up a lot of rules we've picked up a lot of religion we know the right words to say we've got a lot of the activities and actions down in life it looks good on a quick glance
Jesus would say, man, you're, you're really close to the kingdom of God. But you're not quite there yet. Maybe today for some of us, today where we realize that we've picked up a lot of things that seem authentic. relationship with a God who loved you so much that he was willing to send his baby son to sacrifice so that you and I could have life and we could have it more abundantly. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes in this place and maybe you're here today and in your life you've You've settled for the inauthentic or maybe you've grabbed a hold of a whole bunch of rules and regulations and it seems really good but when you really think about it you're missing that relationship with Jesus and and I don't want you to miss this opportunity to start that with him today and it's it's really simple it starts with a prayer maybe for others of you you're you're far from that you you had that at one point but you walked away and it's time to come back home every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you today, if you just slip your hand up, I'd love to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you for your boldness. Anybody else? I see you, man. Thank you. If you just pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, say, God, I, I come before you. And I realize that you sent your son for me. Not so I could have rules and regulations and religion, but so that I could have a relationship with you. And he lived a sinless life, and he died upon a cross to take care of my sin and my shame. And three days later, he rose again, and I thank you for your forgiveness your grace and your mercy. Today I live for you. Now God, I just pray for 
the rest of us that maybe this is a time to refocus in our life. I pray that that we would focus on what matters most, God, that you define for us of, of all the things that we could be doing, God, that we would love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, God, and that we would love others and that you would do something incredible in and through us in this upcoming season as we focus on what matters most. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.